welcome to the Wild Chat Sports Podcast. Uh, yeah, you may not recognize this voice. Uh, I am guest host Shane, and I am with here with Tommy Chong, legendary actor and comedian uh, known for uh, his roles on Cheech and Chong, uh, Cheech and Chong his accuracy on, uh, on marijuana use, and, and possibly um, for the younger generation, uh, Leo on That 70s Show. How you doing, Tommy? I'm doing great, man. Really good, really good. Yeah. Really good. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, actually, you know what, considering uh, today's recording day of uh, uh, July 21st, I do want to actually start off a question with uh, a little bit of some relevant topic, uh, the Olympics, because the oh, Olympic yeah. ceremonies yeah. is uh, this Friday. <clears throat> if, uh, if it doesn't get canceled, you mean? Oh, yeah. No, I, I was actually about to bring that up because uh, so I know you've outspoken, been a little bit outspoken about the uh, Olympics to, on previous interviews. I remember that um, something recent came up about your support of Shakari Richardson's uh, Shakari Richardson on the on her banning of uh, considering her marijuana use. Yeah. Here, here we are fighting this this deadly virus, <clears throat> and then the Olympic people have the nerve to ban some legal. Uh, something that is legal, a medicine that is legal, and that is a recognized medicine all over the world. So, uh, you know, it smacks of uh, cronyism and racism, you know, and cronyism being, uh, it's the way they've always done business, that, that attitude. And uh, racism is that it's blatant, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> people get, if you're white, you get away with a lot of things. But if you're black, you don't get away with anything. And so uh, that, that, you know, and it's really a, such a cowardly way to, to try to even the playing field, you know, because basically that's what racism in, in sports is all about. It's that it's only, they're only racist if they're on the other team, you know, but if they're on your team, man, that, that's the greatest thing in the whole world, you know. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a, a problem that's been around since the beginning of time, I guess, you know, and I don't think it'll ever be solved. I think it'll just be recognized more than solved, you know. I will say, I mean, we, I will say, I think we are going to continue to make progress on that. And it, it seems that as outspoken as Shikari, the Shikari Richardson situation is, I think that's something that will be reconsidered um, in future IOC qualifying hearings. Because considering the backlash and considering the, the the of how impactful that particular case was, yeah, well, that that's always been the problem with with racism in America. They always say, "Well, we'll let we'll let this one go by, but we'll fix it next time, the next time." You know, they always kick the can down the road, as they say. You know, just like the the dreamers. You know, the problem now. You know, finally, a Texas judge goes, "Uh, uh." -uh the Congress do something, you know, and, and that's what has to be done. And that, that, and that's the same thing with the marijuana, you know, marijuana. Yeah, it's legal. It's recognized. It's, it's essential. It's all that, but it's still not recognized federally. And we still, all, all the people that deal with uh, marijuana money, we still can't bank our money. We still can't use credit cards, you know, so we're being, uh, uh, being, uh, you know, uh, legislated against you know uh, even when it's legal they don't they don't recognize it 
you know, and, and they're just dragging their racist feet. That's all. And, uh, it, but it, you know, it, it'll go, it'll, you know, it might take another few George Floyd's, uh, you know, to remind, keep reminding people, but don't forget, this has been going on since the beginning of America, you know, and it's just been sort of going downhill, uh, uh, you know, lately. I, I had dinner with a, an owner of a uh, of a professional uh, baseball uh, league, oh. <clears throat> and uh, a very nice guy, the, the son of the owner, and he uh, very nice, you know. He's, he plays hockey in the puff huff and puff league and everything, you know. And we got a little bit talking. Uh, there, we had another friend there that was a little bit more to the right, you know, more uh, Trumpy, and. Uh, and we got into what was supposed to be a discussion, turned out to be an argument about uh, what's going on, about the, about the players uh, protesting. Now, they agreed that, you know, that George Floyd was murdered. They agreed that the guy that did it should have uh, got what he got. They agreed that it was wrong. They agreed all that. But then they, they, they kind of stopped when it comes to changing the name of, of of uh, baseball teams because it's offensive to the people and the people that are arguing with you know they they couldn't you know, see they said to them oh it's not offensive to me well of course you, you know you're white and rich <laughs> you know you know you're but, the one who made the rules yeah but yeah but if you're a, a, a young little native boy that's trying to find a place in in, in society in, in spite of what's going down. And, uh, you know, it does mean a lot. You know, Redskins, for instance, the, the owner had no idea, the son of the owner had no idea what the true meaning of Redskins were. You know, it wasn't the color of their skin. It was the fact that the skins were bloody red from being, uh, because they had a bounty on, on Native Americans. And the way that you could prove that you killed an American, uh, a Native American, was to produce a skin, a scalp, uh, you know, some, and and that's where the term redskins came about. You know, it wasn't the skin color of their their skin because no one, no one is red, no one is black, no one is white. You know, but there are skin tones that that suggest that, but they're all <laughs> because of the sun. You know, that's why we're different colors. It's all because of, if you, you know, people stay in the sun and people that don't go in the sun. But we're all the, the same. Causing all these problems. <laughs> yeah, we're all the same. But as it were, and by the way, I was watching um, the World War II. Uh, I got a great channel. Uh, it's on Tubi and it's uh, called Battlefront. And I was watching these wars, these historical battles. And Oh my God, you should, the racism in those fights are so blatant, so out there, you know, like Singapore, for instance, you know, the reason they got captured by the Japanese, because it was being defended by white people, <laughs> white people, and British, and, and Canadians, and, uh, and Sikhs from India, they never had one native who lives in that area, even on, you know, in the fighting force. These were all mercenaries. 
And of course, the mercenaries, they had no clue how to fight in a jungle, how to fight, you know, in that terrain. And so what they did, the British, they, they pointed all their big guns up to sea because that's the way they used to do it back in the day, you know, when Britain was at war with whoever, France or whatever, you know, the warships, they commanded the, you know, the British Navy commands everything. Well, the Japanese, they just went around to the back door, which was unguarded. <laughs> and then they came in, they invaded Singapore from the other side, the back door. No one there, no one even thought about it because they don't live there. There, it was an occupied uh, country. China was occupied and by, by white people. And, and that's why, you know, because, and that's why we lost in Vietnam too, you see, because, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at the, the history and, and I'm seeing that. And then we flash forward to now and my friend uh, that I had the, the, the dinner with, the baseball player, they were upset because the black players, players kneeled in protest. They were saying how, you know, how disruptive that was and how, you know, you know, uh, I, I see that we should do this and that, but I, have, I don't see why they should be allowed to kneel, you know? And, and oh my God, ah. Oh. It's frustrating. I, I, I mean, I in all honesty yeah, with you, it's yeah, completely frustrating yeah. to see that because it's it's like, you know, you have these causes that a lot of these athletes will represent and they will go like, oh yeah, we will support this and we support this. Well, what's the difference between what, the causes you're supporting and the, the racial injustice that they're trying to fight against? What What's the yeah. real difference? Exactly. And and the power and, and, and the, uh, like, like, when, when Trump tried to overthrow the government, you know, of course he, you know, he, he fails at everything. He, he's he's just a, a, a serial loser. You know, there's no way he can win at anything because he doesn't have the the the, the brains. You know, but but what he, you know, they just discounted. He felt that he lost because brown people and black people voted. You know. If it, if the but he has no idea that he lost the white vote too, he he lost period, but in his mind he feels that you know and that's the way racist people are you know they they just blame all their problems on who the nearest brown person, you know and that's why Chinese are still being attacked you know by these cowards you know you imagine an old Chinese eighty year old guy all of a sudden gets cold cocked by some white supremacist that, that feels that, you know, that the Chinese are responsible for the virus. I mean, and this is now, this isn't, you know, the war was, I'm looking at the war, it was 1938, the year I was born. And, and, and now you flash forward to 2021 and, and we got practically the same mindset, but it's, it's changing. And and it's going to change even more, and and it'll speed up too. You know, I should be too bad. I really hope yeah. so. I mean, uh, considering considering the fact that you know, I feel like people just blame, like they believe deep down, like unfortunately uh, with white supremacists, they believe that, that that they are the they are the ones always in the right, and even when 
basic facts and basic science goes ahead and pro proves them that they are not in the right, that this is not based on this group. They just come up with these conspiracy theories sometimes where it's like, oh, well, this is the my hardcore truth. So I'm going to try to come up with a way where it's going to sound completely outlandish and completely unreasonable but it's gonna make my viewpoint be right and i'd rather like they'd rather be right than accept that you know what maybe this is maybe i need to question this maybe i need to take a look overall well that's it that's it it's it's the king uh uh you know being a king you know it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong the king tells you this is what it is and that's what it is you know and and, and that's what we got you know, America, you got to remember, America was, was English before it became American, you know, and, uh, and America really is a hybrid of white people that were actually barred, you know, sent over, banished to America in so many ways, you know, except for the businessmen who went over to make a, a fortune, you know, with use of slave labor, uh, you know, those, those people. Yeah, they're, they're just money hungry, you know, and they had no respect for the land. And now it's it's coming back to, to haunt everybody, you know, especially uh, because we're all on this planet. <laughs> I had an argument with, uh, not an argument, but Timothy Leary once, uh, we were talking about it. And he, he was on this, it was near the end of his life. And so he was looking for some kind of out. And he said, you know, uh, that he had this theory that, uh, um, uh, we should all find a, a, a spaceship and, and find another Earth, you know, because this one is just, uh, let's give up on it, you know. And, and, I, and I told Tim, I said, Tim, you know, we're, we don't need a spaceship. We're on a spaceship. Earth is a spaceship. It's traveling through space at 1,035 miles an hour. <laughs> and not only it's a spaceship, but it's a comfortable spaceship. You don't need to wear a space suit, you know? Our bodies, we're, we're, we're adapted to be able to live on this spaceship without having to wear helmets and, and gear and get into a little cockpit and, and, and you know, like into a little sports car and, and, and drive zillions of miles to what for what, you know? And, and humans, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, when when Bezos and, and Bronson shot themselves up into space, I mean, it was to to me that was one of the most. It's comic. It's it's a comedy, <laughs> you know. It's it's like uh, it's like they're playing tag. Uh, last tag, <laughs> you know. I got there first. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's such an ego thing, you know, because these guys, you know, they're not famous for anything except for being rich. And only people that know what rich means really know that part, you know, but put them in a crowd and, and they disappear. <laughs> and so they so and so they use their money to, to get themselves in their record books, you know, instead of the, the best dunk, this guy spent four minutes in space. You know how you know how that's going to look in a few years from now. <laughs> Can you imagine this? Whoa! And this man spent four minutes in space, and then he did a little weightless thing, and then they 
you know, that little old jalopy yeah, I mean, spaceship of theirs, you know, float it back yeah, down, I mean, look, down to Earth. Yeah, I mean, look at like Neil Armstrong, where he's like first man on the moon, and now like a moon trip is pretty casual. Like we have a space station now on, like that's orbiting the Earth, and we're just casually bringing people up into space. Yeah. And now people, and now it's just like, now it's all becoming a privatized battle. Yeah. It's like whoever drove the first Model T for it, you know. Oh boy, you know, he, he owned one. He owned the model two. He owned the first one, you know. No, I mean, I no, but I understand. And and and, and I understand that mindset, you know. It, it's yeah, the thing, the bottom line here, it's like you know, it's all around us. Uh, you, you talk about the religions, uh, you know, the but you know what really kind of put a smile on my face was that when this pandemic hit, it hit right at Passover time, the, the first one. Uh, it was Passover. And Passover is celebrating when a pandemic hit. <laughs> and, and, and the angel of death was taking the first newborn or whatever. And, and so they had a splash a sign on the door in blood to to say that you know hey we're cool you know don't don't take my kid you know uh, it was like the equivalent of a vaccine you know and only only they did it in a spiritual mode i guess but think about it it was a pandemic and what did the churches do they didn't even recognize it the biblical uh, part of it all they were worried about is making money keeping their people coming and, and here we are i'm thinking duh <laughs> you know if moses was here he would say uh this is what i was telling them about the, the plagues this is it you know all we need to say is it comes from god it doesn't come from the scientists it comes from god and we would have gotten everybody <laughs> yeah 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 but you, you you know what i'm getting at that that the way the humans do and, but i understand why see i it, we're all learning a lesson here you see that's why we're here in in a physical form you know because our real nature is spiritual i mean that's who we you know you know when they say we've been uh or you know this universe is eternal you know has always been here in one form or another, like we've always been here in one form or another, our spirit has always been here in one form or another. So we're, we are spiritual creatures, see, and we're only on earth to learn. Yeah, and we have to learn basically how to get along with each other. <laughs> that really, that really is, the, you know, like a family, when a family gets up, you know, they got kids, you kids get along. You know, now you play with your, don't be mean to your brother. Don't be mean to your sister. You know, now you take her with you wherever you go and you play with her and da, da, da. And you, you, and then you help mom and dad. You see, we're here to help each other, you know, and that's what we have to learn. And when you learn that, it can be frustrating because then you see people, they forget or they don't. They they really don't know why they're here, and and what they're really doing is they're learning uh, because of the past lives that they led, 
now now they're back re, re taking the course over again you know and and and, and evolving you know and, and and that's the way it'll always be it'll never be different but uh, but getting back or, or getting around to the the sports in, in the Olympics the Olympics are is such a great way to to debunk racism you know it's such a great way because oh all colors win you know and and if, and if anything when a white guy wins it's like wow <laughs> that's really special <laughs> a white guy won that you know but but it's the way the olympics are it's american it's German, it's French, it's, you know, we, we get our, we get to be tribal in, in the Olympics, but we'll learn. And, and, uh, and I, I was trying to tell my son, my son's going through some uh, little problems. When you don't have big problems, your little problems become your big problems. And, and my son's in, in Boulder now, and he moved up to, uh, to Vancouver, up to Vancouver Island, uh, right on the the surfing area. Now he's home, pa packing up stuff that he doesn't really need <laughs> in in Canada. But he's got a wife that's telling him, "No, no yeah, we, we need that." <laughs> and so, so he's he's having a dilemma, you know. And I'm I'm trying to help him. But the only help I give is just, well, it's a lesson, son. <laughs> Everything's a lesson. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think right now, if I could actually bring it back to the Olympics a little bit, um, you, were, you kind of were touching on the, a part of the, how it brings so many countries together. And yet we're kind of in a bit of a unique situation this year where, I mean, in years past, there have been Olympic cases where cities would build these massive arenas just for this Olympics and for the Olympics. And then they basically become like stranded, abandoned, basically become like fossils of an old time and it costs countries so much money. And yet this year we, we see the same pattern with Japan, but in a very different case because you're not even getting the revenue for it because you're not allowing any fans. You, you spent $20 billion on all these stadiums. You're currently in the state of emergency two days before um, you're going to be in a state of emergency practically the entire run of your Olympics. And pretty much so many of your residents actually despise the Olympics now and they want to boycott it because they're all in a state of emergency, most likely because of these Olympics. Yeah. So yeah. it becomes a debate of like, yes, we should be bringing people together, but at what cost right now are we bringing these countries together right now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's a good experiment. <clears throat> I, 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 I like what's going on. I really do, because it shows the weaknesses in, in the different countries as to uh, intellectual weakness. That's what I call it, you know, because if you're against vaccine, then, then you, you border on very uh, stupidity because it's, it's hard. What are you going to do? Blame it on, you know, if you blame the pandemic on someone that, that takes care of the problem? No. Vaccines is what we need. Everybody needs to be vaccinated. If everybody was vaccinated, they would have no problem at the Olympics. It's the only unvaccinated people that are causing the, the big problem there. You know, and I don't know what the percentage is, but they, I can imagine it's pretty high, 
you know, to have these outbreaks. And we're having an outbreak now. This pandemic don't give a shit about the Olympics, you know, or anything. If anything, it, this it's pandemic- It's a virus. It doesn't, it doesn't have feelings. It doesn't have emotions. You can't reason with it. It's a virus. If you want to know the truth, that virus is the answer, the, the planet's answer to global warming to, to uh, you know, burning coal and burning and ruining our atmosphere. Uh, that, that's our planets, uh, uh, because who's doing it? The humans. And so, you know, it's just like when animals overpopulate, they, they get hit with viruses, they get hit with pandemics and, and poof, they get wiped out, you know? And it's happened before. It happened to the dinosaurs. It'll happen to uh, anybody that's trying to harm the planet. And, and, and we don't have to worry about this, by the way, because none of us will be here. You know, <laughs> look at it this way. I'm old. I'm 83. Okay. I've, I've got, you know, what, 20 years tops, maybe. But I'm definitely going. There's no doubt about it. The same as you. You're going to go. It, it might take a few years, but you're going to go. We're all going to go. So, but the planet is going to stay here. And so in order to save the planet, because there's, you know, we're not the only creatures on earth that, that has intelligence, intellect. Trees have intellect. Trees have, uh, have you know, figure out the big redwoods have survived for thousands of years. That's how much intellect they have. And, uh, you know, and, and they, they, they know it. And, and so, and, and this is their home. We share their home with these creatures, you know, and so in order to save this planet of ours, you know, and if the humans are the ones that are messing it up, then we're going to get a pandemic and it's going to thin the herd. And it also, what's happening, and, and this is why I think I, I've got hope for our planet, is because with the electric car, with the uh, windmills, the natural, because this planet was gifted with the ready-made energy, the sun, <laughs> it's there. It's always there. It'll always be there. We're gone. The sun will stay, you know? And so we can use that sun power. So, and now we're just getting around to using it, you know? Before we're, you know, because the rich people wanted to sell gas. That's why we got the gas car. Because rich people, you know, Getty and the boys wanted, Rockefeller, they wanted to make, they could make a fortune with, with selling gas. Forget about electric cars, you know? We could have had electric cars, but now we got them. And, 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 and that's the good news is, is that we're, we're in the middle of, of our lives. And this is it. This is, yeah. this is part of it. This is us. This is our heritage, you know? Absolutely. This is our I story. Mean, I mean, it is 100% our story. And I will, uh, I will want to note that I think it's partially due to, and whatever you feel about Elon Musk right now, I think there's, you have some um, pros and cons thoughts with that. But I think he had, with Tesla at least, it has made electric cars look more like a desirable option because more people want Teslas. Teslas oh, look yeah. really- I got, I, got a, I got two Teslas, you know, I've had two uh, before. As soon as I could get a Tesla, I got a Tesla, man. And it's a best thing I've ever done. It's the best car in the world. 
And and when I passed, I got a friend that owns a gas station. I just dropped by to get the window, the windshield wipers filled. You know, that's all I do. And, you know, it's kind of cruel, but I, but, oh yeah, electric cars, you know, and we could have had them before, but we got them now. And, and it's going to improve. It's going to improve. Uh, our, 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 Descendants are good, but it's going to be close. It's like it's like the. Did you see the NBA game with uh, Phoenix and uh, and uh, uh, Milwaukee? Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. Congratulations to the Bucks for uh, winning. I believe they won their first title in a long time. Yeah, I missed. I missed the whole game. My wife went out to dinner. I'm thinking, great, I get to watch the game. I got involved watching some other stupid show and I forgot all about the game until my son called me and says, so what do you think? And I said, what do you think of what? He said, the game. I said, oh shit, I lost. I forgot forgot to watch it. So I watched it today. But that, that, you know, sports, there's so many Oh yeah, that was the point I was I was I was going to get around to making. See, we we we've been ruled uh, with with Christianity and Judaism and Islam. You know that's what's causing the wars. Uh, it's religious beliefs and tribe, very tribal beliefs, and and that's what happens in the Middle East. You know, with Israel and uh, you know, and and if you and if you look at the history. You know, the wars were all basic racist wars. You know, that was the excuse to start the Second World War and, and, to, and to enslave and to kill all, all, as many people as they could. You know, the, the, the white supremacists, you know. Uh, but, you know, we, we're, we're evolving as a people. And, and now we're at the point now where it's the sports that, that gives us that the same feeling that we get with war, you know, and and I, I think there, there's some smoothing out to do. You know, the college athletes definitely need to get paid. You need to get paid for what you're what you're doing, you know, uh, because everybody's getting paid, you know, under the table, over the table. And it's the same as the marijuana thing or or the cannabis, as I, I call it now, uh, you know. The reason it has never been legal is because so many people are making money and and keeping black people and brown people down because of that law, and and that's that's just the nature of the thing. But what I was saying about sports, I like I'm a great student of uh, spirituality and religion. And when I was in prison, I I spent the whole nine months really going into the, the sweat lodge society with the natives and the I Ching with uh, you know the book of uh, changes and uh, and then books like Emmett Fox you know this is this is my guy he's a Jew that uh, tells you what the Bible really means and uh, and as a result I I, I realized that People, humans practice religion every day and they don't know it. They don't know what they're doing. And sports is a good example of that, especially golf, because golf, it's a sport that practically anybody can play, regardless of your handicap, whatever it is. 
because it's a simple thing of knocking a, a little ball, you know, like Robin Williams say, knock it into a pasture and then you try to get it into a gopher hole, you know. Uh, but it has such a strong religious, spiritual aura about that game that I, you, you can't, you, you can't dismiss it, you know. Uh, they tried to put racism in it, you know, having golf clubs and, you know, excluding blacks. Then Tiger would come along, you know, oh, bye with that one. Uh, you know, they tried to control it in, in, with the dress code, you know. <laughs> now that's out the door, you know, out the window. Uh, how you look, that, that, you know, they knew that, you know, poor people couldn't afford to look like that. So they would put that thing on you. Then they tried, you know, private clubs. Well, same thing, you know. Uh, it's all about the game. It's all about how you play it, where you play it, and who you, you know. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, this, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor system too, like religion should be. And so, so you get golf, you get golfers. We all play by the same rules around the world. What religion, you can't name a religion that has that. That, that that going for itself, you know, the same belief. No, no, you can't, you know, because the Jews, they believe, you know, in uh, their God and Muslims believe in their God. And the fact that they were once brothers was kind of, kind of cut you up too. The Chinese and the communists don't believe in any God, uh, but in golf, you all have the same rules. And if you want to play the golf game, you have to abide by those rules. And you have to be honest. You have to be, you, you can't be lying. You know, you have to come up with, uh, with the goods. And so I, I see that with a lot of sports. You know, I'm seeing that with, I see it with tennis. I see it with baseball. I see it with hockey. I see it yeah. with uh, all the sports. I see it with you know. all the sports. And I actually will bring up an interesting point here is that especially in America, I feel that we have a very, I would say pr a progressive view on sports where in a sense that a lot of like, if you go to like an NFL game, if you go to an NLB game, you go and you play with the two teams, um, you get the fans from all over and you get like, you get fans of both teams, but you get general fans and people are, yes, they'll rib, they'll, they'll joke, they'll, they'll, they'll make fun of a bit of each other and trash talk, but it's not, it doesn't norm, it more often than not does not get too bad. But if you go overseas, you go over to England, and you go uh, and see a football match, or we call soccer, but I'm going to respect the language there, um, call it a football match. They're, they have fans coming from opposing stadiums, and they are like hardcore, it's hardcore oh, fandom rules, where essentially, if you don't believe in this team, it, it, it's like, it can, it can separate families, it can break it. it it's truly a religion overseas, in the sense that yeah. pe people will go to war over this sport. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and they're, they're not uh, too cool about it, you know, especially with the racisms, you know, that, that they were throwing at, at that poor English uh, guy that missed the, the free kick. <laughs> that poor guy, what, yeah, of course, you know, that's, that's the white races I was telling you about, England, that, that's where it all began, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, but the sports brings out that that quality, you know, and, and, and the ignorance too, 
yeah, you know, soccer fans, you know, they're noted for their their ignorance. It, you know, I was looking at the TV, and when uh, when I saw the riot at the, at the Capitol, that's what it was like a sporting event. It was like uh, the, you know the wrong team won, and uh, <laughs> and the the team that lost, you know, they wanted to. What tear down the flag? Philadelphia or... after they won the Super Bowl, only they yeah. lost the Super Bowl, and they want <laughs> they want to check that they want to rescore, they want a recount of the score, and they're demanding the league to do a recount. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That that's isn't that great? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's human nature, you see, and and human nature will will definitely uh, surface. You know, because that that's that's who we are, you know, that we're human and and and, and no matter how and, and that's that's the lessons that we're learning, too, you know, because I, I when you when you look at the athletes themselves, uh, like Tiger, I, I studied Tiger Woods uh, and it, it wasn't that he was black. He was half uh, Thai, you know, his mother was was from Thailand. And and so so she taught him all the the the, the Buddhist uh, trips, you know, how to think and how to how to approach everything, you know, with that single-mindedness, uh, which which you know those uh, the Oriental religions have, you know, that, because that's where like karate and, and, and jujitsu, all those uh, martial arts, that's where they came from. They actually came from India. But it's it was the same mindset, you know, being able to control your body, and being able to have your body do exactly what you wanted to do, mentally. You see, and that's what these guys, you know, these great sports guys are. Yeah, they're blessed with physical abilities, but they also are blessed with this this balance that I, I call it balance, and and it, and it comes, but it. But it, it 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 all comes from mind control, and that's what the the real early and, and I guess since the beginning of time when man looked up at the stars and realized, wow, you know, uh, this is pretty awesome. Uh, I, I I think you know, and, and there's always been the sports, there always. Like I, I remember, where was it? Uh, so high school, uh, no, no, grade school, grade school. I, you remember? I don't know if you remember marbles. Ever remember the game marbles? marbles? Have you ever seen? Yeah, yeah it, with the, the glass balls, you know. And, it, but when I grew up, that was a big deal. You had a bag of marbles. You were rich, you know. <laughs> and if you had the certain marbles, whoa, you were even richer. Well, I'm going to school there, and all of a sudden, I come across this kid. He's got a game set up a tobacco lid with a hole in it now the idea was you got to drop if you drop the marble right into the hole you 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 win a marble but if you if you missed it then you lost a marble and the kid was <laughs> because it was a game of chance that's that's what america's always always uh, gravitated to why because it's our connection with the spirit world Think about that, because the spirit world really has domination over this physical world. 
And the physical world, like I, like I say, it is physical. You need two to tango in the physical world. You, for every action, there's a reaction. So you've got that, that. But in the spiritual world, there's only the spirit. There's only spiritual world, which is made of, of pure love. You know, there's no substance. You see, and so I the spiritual, say, the spiritual world can be be so tiny that that because it doesn't need space. You see, the physical world we need space. See, we can only get so close to the sun because it's so hot. And so we need that space. And, and so the brighter the star, the more space you need. And if you look at our galaxies, we're, they're, they're talking trillions, trillions of galaxies, you know, and that's just in our universe. So the spiritual world doesn't need any space. And so the spiritual world takes up no space at all, but it has our spirit, see? And so when you learn, when you learn this, and, and, and this is what Tiger and all the ones do, they know how to, to think the, the spiritual thoughts because then they're not, they, then they have command. Even the Bible tells you that you have command. If you believe in God, then you have command over the physical world. You can change the weather. You can change, uh, uh, you can have the, 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 the oceans calm. You can do all these things because that's how powerful the, the spiritual world is. And, and it's uh, sports is a great example, man. Yeah, I was how, actually going to bring up an. I was actually yeah. about to bring up an example of that because uh, when you were talking about your story about the marbles, and I was and I was trying to make a connection, and I realized um, this rise of sports gambling that's going on, the sports yeah. book betting, is kind of like that equivalent right now because it's becoming more and more. Uh, it's becoming more and more regulated and it's becoming yeah. more and more legalized uh, across the country where yeah. it is that connection, where it is, where they feel like, you know what, we feel like we have this connection, we have this dominance, we think we know what we know, uh, sports book writers know what they think they know, but at the end of the day, it's chance, it comes down to two teams at the end of the field and it, and from our, like from their perspective, yes, it is a game of skill, but from the final numbers of how it's exactly going to go, that is chance. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know how it's going to execute. Yeah. You don't know that Derek Fisher is going to make that last minute shot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Or, or that one football player that, that ran the wrong way for 100 yards and <laughs> lost the game. He got turned around and he ran the wrong way. I think he picked up. No, he didn't pick up a fumble. He just he got hit in the head or something and he ran the wrong. You never know. You never know, and 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 that's the game of chance, and that's that's what I studied in, in prison, I, I, which is the I Ching, and that's what the I Ching is really. You throw coins, and then you add up the what, what you know because it's really heads and tails. You know how you flip a coin, heads or tails. You know like they do. Uh, okay, you you kick off, you receive heads and tails. That, that's that's what the I Ching is. Only thing is you flip three coins. And so you get three answers, and then out of that three answers, you you you're you're closer to the truth than than you would if you just put one coin. And so I I, I did that in uh, in TAF, you know, for nine months. You know, I was doing the I Ching for for inmates on that, and it blew my mind, blew everybody's mind. 
one day there was a, when I first got the book, you know, I was kind of doing it and, and I was in the dormitory and, and uh, this friend of mine, Mike, he was sitting on the bunk. He, he said, oh, what you got there? He thought it was a gambling game, you know? And I said, no, it's Yi Ching. I said, do you want me to do your reading for you? And he said, yeah, okay. So I did the reading and what it is, he threw the coins and then I, I got the, the hexagram that tells you what page to look for it. So I, I looked at, but I didn't read it myself. I just found it for Mike and I handed him the book and he read it. And then he handed me the book back and he was, his face had just drained of all color and, and he went sat up on his bunk. And so, so then now I had to read what his thing was. And it was like, it's like a fortune teller. And what the first thing it said was that you have suffered a great uh, tragedy, misfortune. And, and the truth was a month earlier, his wife and, and, and baby was killed in a car accident coming to visit him. And, uh, and the I Ching caught it, caught it right off the bat. And it was, I mean, that, that was so powerful. And so when I threw the I Ching for myself, uh, <laughs> the first thing it said, you are in prison for a reason. <laughs> it knew wow. that I was in prison. And it said, prisons are corrective institutions where you correct your behavior. And wow, that was, that was my, my thing. So the I Ching, you know, and, and by the way, I haven't done it since I've been out of, I haven't done it for years. I've been out of prison now since 04, 05, and I haven't done the I Ching since. I, I'm due pretty soon, but I kind of, I kind of I, I don't know what, what's going to happen to me. You know, I'm getting a little bit too, too close to the edge, you know, so, so I may not throw up for a while, but isn't, but what, I, what I'm saying is that we we live in between these two worlds you know and the closer you are to the spirit spiritual world the uh more insight that you have you know and and so you can deal with anything uh, the pandemic job loss tragedy anything because what you learn what i learned is that uh, life is eternal you know nothing really leaves it just changes you see, when you die, you don't really die. Your body disintegrates because it's had it's done like a used car. You know, it's done. But the spirit gets to go into another, another being. You know, and then and that's my oh, that's my attitude too about hell. Because I, you know, I I, I ask a question about is there really a hell? And I realize there isn't. You know why? Because hell, the way it, 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 it's depicted, with fire and brimstone. Well, to have fire, you need water. And I mean, you need uh, air, oxygen. You need fuel. You need uh, physical stuff. And so, uh, and, and in the spiritual world, there's there's no there's no discord. There, there's no evil. There's there's nothing but love. And so there is no hell except on earth. So if, if I think if you do wrong 
and you come back, you don't come back as where, where you just left. You come back in a body where you have to learn some lessons and in a situation where you have to learn lessons. And uh, that's, what, that's what I feel. I feel that evil people, they don't go to heaven. Because that's what Jesus was always talking about, heaven. You know, you'll be in heaven, you'll be in paradise, you'll be in heaven. But he never really, he, he said to forgive your enemies, but he never said they're, they're going to be in heaven too. <laughs> yeah. So I got a feeling that, that when you flunk a course, you don't go on to the next grade. You have to take that course over again. And, and I think that's what happens is that, that the evil people get born right back, come right back, boom, they're right here again, you know, and starting over again. And this time they might learn. And this time they might be uh, totally opposite to what they were before. I mean, that's just mine. No, know, no, I mean, I was going to say, like, it's, it, it sounds like, it, it sounds like, a, I, I honestly want to compare this a little bit to a, a recent show that uh, just wrapped up on NBC right before the pandemic, which is Good Place. And not, and I'm going to say spoiler alert to anyone who has not seen it. And I will tell you right now, I would encourage you to watch it if you haven't. But it, it, the, the basic uh, idea of like the solution they came up with uh, in terms of who goes to the good place, because it, what, the way the show structure was basically almost everyone for like 400 years was going to the bad place because they, they realized there's so many factors on earth that there's no real way to say like, oh, what's good? Because you could do so many, something good, but then you can easily like just screw it up because of so many other ripple, the ripple effect. So mm -hmm. it basically came up with a solution where you're like, when you get to, when you get to the good place, you take like a, a test, you take like a year long test where you're working with good people and you try to work on your mistakes. And then you go through review, you, you learn what you did right, you did wrong. And then if you didn't do it, uh, if you didn't pass, you go and you take the test again, you can take to get tests. You keep taking it until you earn your way into the good place, or right. you just keep taking the test for all eternity because you will never learn. Yeah, yeah, but you will learn. You you do learn. You do learn. You do evolve. You know. I can imagine. You know, when the first fish came on land, I I, I don't think it was a good thing. I, they weren't climbing trees and shit, or they might have been, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, you can. You, you look at the animal world because that that's what evolution is you know like when you look at uh, uh, salmon for instance salmon are so interesting because when they're when they're born they float downstream life is real easy they float downstream right out to the ocean and that's where they spend their their youth and their uh, most of their adult life but then at the end in order to die they have to swim back to where they were born and that's against the, against the rapids, against everything, up waterfalls, you know, past bears, hungry bears, and, and everything that wants to eat them. And all they're doing really is swimming back to die. And you would think that they would just, but their instinct, they say, in order to, to, for the little ones to live, they can't be born. If, if they were born in the ocean, they would die right away. There'd be food right away. But so what they have to do in order for the little salmon to make it, they have to start the way the adult salmon started, which was swimming. He has to swim back up against the tide, against everything. Boom. Then he lays his eggs or she lays his eggs and then boom, they're dead. And, and then the eggs hatch 
and then the little fish get taken by the current out to the ocean again to start that cycle all over again. And so, and, and of course, most of them don't make it. That's why there's so many of them. And it, it, it's just one of those uh, nature things that, uh, you know, that's what I was doing watching in the pandemic. I watch nature shows and travel shows, and, you know, try to, try to get all that in there. And yeah, that, 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 when I was looking at the salmon, I thought, wow, I, I get it. I get it, you know. And that's our, the humans for, for the most part, too. You know? And that's why you, you can't really judge. That's one of the things that I, I learned about judging not. You know, don't judge. And, that, and that's such a great rule because when you judge, you form opinions. And, and you almost like put people in, it's almost like you put people in, in a filing cabinet. Like people are doing that with wheat now. They're, they're saying to me all the time, uh, what's your favorite strain? You know, they're trying to find a way to categorize, categorize uh, marijuana, you know. Or cannabis. What, I mean, I was going to say, like, that's literally what First Take does on ESPN is they just take a side or take an opinion. Even yeah. if they don't take it like a few days later, like they change it completely. They only want to debate. They only want to talk. They only want to, to only yeah. just right or wrong. But it's not like, but they don't know what's going to happen. No. No, it, and, and, and it's a judgmental thing. And, and yeah, uh, I, I found, you know, the best way to go through life is not, not only not judging uh, people, yourself, yourself, you know, because a lot of times people, you know, that's where, where uh, what do you call it, uh, stage fright comes in. Because stage fright is also you're judging the hell out of yourself. Oh, I'm I I, I can't remember. Uh, you know, I, I I I'm I'm terrible at this. I hate it when people say I'm terrible at this or I'm terrible at that. And <laughs> I I, I kind of like the people that go, well, see, I'm judging right there. I'm judging right there. <laughs> I caught myself. <laughs> No. I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Did you uh, ever like in your? I mean, in your on your illustrious career, uh, had you ever had like that moment of judging yourself or reflecting on what you did uh, during it, uh, like during the Cheech and Chong days, or maybe the seventy show days, or any time in between that? Uh, no, actually, I've always been really grateful for any kind of job. You know, all my life. I, I grew up very, very, you know, very poor, uh, and I. It was funny. My my brother was very sports minded. He he hung up with all the, the the athletes because he was really a good athlete. I wasn't because I spent a year in, in in the hospital, and so my legs never really developed, you know, into like like an athletic um, uh, legs. And so I, I, I never really uh, was, was gifted in, uh, in that way. I was more of a watcher and I, I would watch other, you know, I was, I, I was a good spectator, you know, a really good spectator. And I wasn't bad in sports, you know, when it came down, as long as it wasn't too brutal and too, you know, I had, I had all the, the, the right, right uh, spirit, but I never had the, the, the goods to do it. And so I, I ended up more of a, you know, well, I got into music. 
really that was my thing. As soon as I found, yeah, as soon as I found out music, I, I it was something that I could do, but it wasn't something that I was going to do for a living, ever, you know, until it happened. <laughs> until until all of a sudden, whoa! I guess I am a musician. <laughs> no, I've uh, I, I've sort of gone. My my thing is like go with what's going, you know. Like when like when you grow up in the country, you really get close to nature because that's all you got. You know, you don't have new toys. You don't have new clothes. <laughs> you don't have, everything's been handed down uh, or you've worn the shit out of it anyway. Uh, and, and, and so you either make your own uh, toys, which I did, you know, and, or, or you use what, you know, in the kitchen, there's a lot of good toys in the kitchen, like, like butcher knives or, or paring knives. That, that's what, that was my favorite thing, learning how to throw a knife, like the native, which I found out I am part of. So, so I, you know, my life has been so blessed. It's so blessed because I got turned on to Sunday school because that was the only uh, outlet we had for entertainment. The only reason to get dressed was church, you know, no other reason. You know, put on your nice clothes, you're going to Sunday school. And at first it was like, uh, and then after a while, it was, oh, I love Sunday school. I loved hearing those stories. And uh, to, this, to this day, I still, I went to Bible camp and I was one of, I, I won the award for being the nicest kid at Bible camp. <laughs> So, so how's that for a for for a trophy, huh? A Bible camp and you win the nicest the nicest guy award. <laughs> that is that is an incredible trophy, and almost at a point like <laughs> arg like arguably contradicts the faith. Because yeah, it's like it's saying you're all equal, but you're the nicest guy, so you're you're claiming that you're better, but you're, there's no real better or worse no. in the eyes of like the book. It was just it was that that. You know, because I I was so eager to learn. You know, that, that's why I know my, my whole being has been ordained. You know, I, I'm I was given a very special uh, 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 a chore. You know, I was chosen, and it was because of my choices that that I, that I I made. You know, growing up. You know? Like my brother, like I said, he he was the sports guy. I, I was the other guy. And and what I did, I hung out with kids that had jobs. Because I usually ended up helping them with their job or taking over their job when when they had to do something else. And so I always had a job. And I always made not a lot of money, but money. And and if I remember right, I don't remember. You know, walking. The only time I remember walking around with a big, big pocket full of cash was uh, when I had my band and we we're playing in in uh, Calgary, and we lucked out for some reason. We got a, a flatbed truck in the middle of down on an empty lot in the middle of Calgary, Stampede Week, and so we got we got the band up there and we started playing music. Then we had friends go around and collect money from the uh, from the audience. Well, I ended up, we each ended up with a big chunk of cash, you know. I mean, a big roll, 
you know, ones, fives, twenties, hundreds, maybe. And a big, big hunk of cash in my pocket. And after the gig, I'm walking home, carrying my guitar. And out of the dark, I hear this guy, excuse me, sir. And I stop. He says, uh, can you help me? And I, right away, I thought, you know, the bum's asking for money. He got, got me at a nice time. And so, so I said, sure, what do you need? He says, I've been hired to do this job, but I can't do it alone. I need help. And I said, sure, what's the job? He said, well, follow me. And so I walked with him and we walked to the railroad yard and there was a railroad car there. And in the railroad car was coal, loose coal on, on, the, on the floor. His job was to clean out the coal out of the out of the out of the uh, box car and put it in a bin, and, and, and so I helped him. And it took all night. <laughs> it wasn't about the money; it was about the, the work. It was about helping helping the guy. He needed help, and so I helped him, and then. I got, and then he, at the end of the, the, at the end of the morning, because it took all night, the next morning, about six in the morning, he says, uh, well, thank you. I can't pay you right now, but I'm going to pay you when I, when I collect the money. I said, ah, don't worry about it. And so I went home. Now I'm, I'm black with <laughs> coal. <laughs> and I walked, and my mother, you know, she kind of was expecting me the night before. And she goes, what the hell happened to you? And I said, well, this guy needed help cleaning out a boxcar. So I took a bath in the bathtub. It was just dirty as can be there. You know, the rain, it was, it was pretty thick. And then about a month later, the guy came by with, with the money. It was like $15 or something, something like that. But I looked at that. The guy was an angel. I know. It was an angel. And it was a test. Because I had the money. I could have said, no, I'm sorry. I, you know. But my, my only instinct, my only help. thought was, was to help. You know? And when you grew up in Canada, especially in, you know, in the country, uh, people are always asking you for help. And they, in the way they pay you, they pay you with a meal or they pay you with old clothes or something, you know, but it's never hard cash because in the country, you, 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 every bit of cash is accounted for, you know, and, and, and that's what it was. But that, that, that incident taught me, uh, it really gave me uh, confidence, you know, it really did. I, I really felt that night, I, I, or the, the, that whole day, the satisfaction that you get from helping other people. You, you can't, it's really hard to describe even, you know? When you see the look on people's face, I, I, I get that now, you know, when we do stand-up comedy, you know, when we do our show, you know, uh, we'll uh, we'll get a, we'll get that effect from the audience, and, and, and that's 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 a nice feeling. Uh, the, 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 it's an emotion.
it's joy. It's it's an emotion called joy. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling because when you help people, you create a ripple effect because you don't know how many other people are de that depends on on who you're helping, you know, and and, and it's it's a very it's a ripple effect, but the rewards are the, a feeling of, of accomplishment. You know, you accomplish something. No, we, we accomplished when we played, we had the crowd, they're digging the hell out of the band. <laughs> it was like, whoa, you know, but I've had, my whole life has been, been blessed ever since. And, and before that time, before that one time. But I know that one time, uh, you know, I, I know that 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 was uh, that was the test, you know, and people get tested every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, that is that is a kind of like, I think, as a testament of who you are. And I, honestly, it's something that I'm, I want to, and obviously I'm bringing it back a little bit to sports because of like sure. I feel like, like I feel like that's like what you see sometimes with these great athletes and these great stories. I mean, the the, the big example I, I always think about is JJ uh, Watt a few years ago with Hurricane Harvey when he was uh when he was still a Houston Texan. Uh, he like organized this massive fundraiser that wasn't well. He donated a fair amount, but he also used that opportunity to help build a platform and help build. That uh, the build an area and build a sense of togetherness, and they raised like twenty million to help relief. And I mean, yeah. I know I'm just using like the big example of that, but like there are so many. I think that's a testament of like that sense of accomplishment of athletes, where they they accomplish on the field, they do well on the field, but they they also want to give back to the the areas that they are lucky to play for. Like they're getting paid millions of dollars, so yes, they don't have to do the community service, uh, but they they still do it because they want to feel connected. They want to feel that connection with the area and they want to be able to be that that sense of joy and bring that in as many ways to the areas as possible and you've got to respect the players that actually represent that kind of feeling and i wish yeah. more people had that yeah well you know you're going to get a percentage that'll have it and percentage that won't have it but yeah yeah that that's the joy i yeah i've been watching uh, the, the war movies <laughs> it's crazy it's on uh, Thule, and it's uh, <clears throat> it's called the Battlefront, and it, it's all the all the uh, the wars during the with the Germans, uh, the Second World War, and with the Japanese, and then I watched even uh, the uh, War of 1812 with Canada, and uh, in the States, which was, was also kind of a, a comedy, because it was a, like a comedy of uh, of racism. <laughs> when it comes down to it but it was uh, yeah I've, I've been like I, I study humans you know that, 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 that's what comedians do that's what we do and by the way I never knew I was a comedian to way 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 late in my life you know really I, yeah I was I was well when we did I was 40 when, it, when we did Up in Smoke you know, and I played a kid, but I was still 40. I, I, no, I never really, 
you know, it wasn't it wasn't until you know I got older and uh, and, and 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 then Cheech and I broke up, and and I didn't know I was going to just make movies, write songs or something, you know. But then I, I went and seen Dennis Miller live in Vancouver. He was doing a show in Vancouver, and I happened to be in Vancouver. So I went and saw Dennis Miller on stage, and he was having so much fun. And I realized, shit, I could do this. And so then uh, that was 93. And so I started, uh, as soon as I, after I saw Dennis, I, I went back to LA and I started doing the comedy club circuit, five minutes, you know, doing five minute bits. And so I really became a comedian, from, you know, the old way, old fashioned way. You know. Really? Because it's like, I will, I will say very openly, um, when I found out I was, I was lucky enough to do this interview, I, I kind of told my father, who was also very much a Cheech and Chong fan, and he recalled one of his favorite bits. Uh, he, show, he showed me like one of his favorite, favorite bits, and I watched a few others. But his favorite personal one was uh, the one earache. The, like the, the claiming that it was an earache that was like trying to keep you from school where it was like a lot where it was very much like a rock and I encourage anyone on listening to the podcast to, to go listen to that but it's incredible to hear like like even then you were and I knew and he also noted like you played the actual drums during that like segment like you that was you on the drums yeah, that you, yeah. like you had that musician side and oh you yeah were, it, it, it very much came off as a comedy album like an old school comedy album and it's yeah. crazy to think, like in those Chi Jong days, that you were known as a comedy duo. That you never, you never put two and two together of like this is actually like working to a demographic and a genre that has just exploded in recent years with yeah. uh, Lonely Island, um, with recently uh, Bo Burnham's latest special Inside. Have you checked out Inside yet? Which one? Uh, Inside, uh, Bo Burnham. No, 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 I haven't seen that yet. It is, I, I, I will say, we're like, this is not sponsored, but it's an incredible, like, internal look of this very musical comedian who, like, basically took, like, five years off of performing, of, like, performing live because he, um, he was starting to get anxiety on stage. So, he, like, he did, like, amazing specials, was considered a high-end comedian, and then he basically took a step back from the line, like, became, like, a writer, and then during the pandemic, he's like, all right, I'm just gonna do a special that just because I can make something in this time, and it's incredible. Like this, it's all like in, it's like all in his home. Bo, what's his name? Oh, uh, Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham, like Bo, B-U-L-L, Burnham, B-U-L-L. Just B-O and then Bo. burn him. Burn him, B-U-R-N. Yeah, yeah no, it's a very like, it, and like, honestly, for anyone who's seen like his other specials, like to that special in particular, it, it, it strikes a chord. It's, it's a very emotionally driven, like from a creator standpoint, like, uh, out, like a, a special, and I would argue it's it's just it's arguably his arguably his best work. I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm gonna like, check. I'm checking. But bringing it, out. it back to you is like it, it, you you kind of put that together. Yeah. Well, you know, there's only one way to become a stand-up comedian, and that you got to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's no my my daughter teaches comedy by now in in Toronto. She teaches stand-up. But she's a she's a teacher, so I so I, I love her for that. And she asked me now and then <laughs> for 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 advice, you know, or what should I do? Yeah, I, I love I love. No, I I 
I'm I'm like from the country, man. Let's let me try. You, you, you know, in the country, you got to learn how to do everything. You know, you got to learn plumbing. You got to learn electricity. You got to learn uh, everything. You're gardening. You got to learn mechanics. You know, there's no no you know magical number you can call. Like you can call now. I I got a Tesla. I call Tesla. Hey Tesla, I got a flat tire. We'll be right over, sir. <laughs> in the country you not only had to take the tire off but you had to go take it and and, and get it patched <laughs> and get the tube get a new tube and then oh you know, there's a whole thing now now you just get a new tire you know and you let someone else do all the work and you got a little credit card and you just hand them well in fact tesla they got it on file there yeah yeah yeah, it was, uh, no, my life has been very, very, very blessed uh, because I, you know, I'm, com I'm comfortable in my own skin now. Again, uh, being non-judgmental is so important in so many ways, in so many in arguments. Like uh, for a while there, you know, because of the pandemic, you know, my wife and I were getting into some very stupid arguments. And then all of a sudden, I, I had an epiphany, you know. If you don't throw the ball back, there's no game, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And, and that works. Ball back, there's no game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, if, if you don't answer, then there's no discussion, you know. It's like, oh, you know, said next time, like, there's an NFL game going on, and they're, like, not punting the ball back, and they're just constantly just – where it's like, it just feels like they're just controlling the ball for uh, 60 minutes a game. I'm just going to say, it's not a game because they're not giving him the ball back. <laughs> but that, that's, that, that's what arguments, you know, with, with your wife anyway. I've been, uh, I've been blessed though. I, I've got a very gorgeous wife. And it's just recently that I, I've been kind of in the doghouse, literally, you know. Uh, but the doghouse is pretty nice. I got TV, <laughs> a nice comfortable bed, and you know, and it's and it's nice. It's a nice part of the house, <laughs> so I'm okay. So what else we got to talk about? Oh uh, yeah, wow, uh, we've got we've got uh, I got a, few, a little bit. Of, um, I do want to actually extend a little bit. Um, off the uh, a little bit off your uh, career a little bit because. Uh, I know you, I, I remember you brought up the stand-up days a little bit and then you get, uh, you get that 70s show, which uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was kind of funny because if Cheech Marin wanted to become more of a, like when you broke up, it, it's not from what I read, it was, he wanted to become more of a Main Street success. And then you ended up going on and taking on the acting role like a decade later and arguably like play, um, played like one of the more memorable characters in uh, Leo yeah. on a, yeah. um, on one of the, Fox's most successful sitcoms of its of its time, that semi show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and and I got offered a, a role in Cheech's show, that Nash Bridges. At the same time, I got the offer from the seventy show and the Nash Bridges show at the same time. Cheech doesn't believe that I got the offer, but I did. My agent, <laughs> uh, my agent came to me with the offer. He said, "You don't want to do that show that Cheech is doing, do you?" And I said, no, <laughs> because I didn't want to become a cop, you know. 
you know, you, you, you know, typecast. I, I really wanted to be typecast, you know, and when the 70s show came out, it was like, again, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm very blessed, you know. And the funny thing was the, the first day I was late for the, for the read, you know, because I'm not used to showing up anywhere on time, you know. Uh, I had no reason to, you know, I was a star. <laughs> and so, and so uh, the first day I was late and I got told off. I was told, you know, you're never late. From now on, you come early. And uh, even though, I, you know, I didn't know where to park and all that stuff. But uh, in the 70s show, it was kind of, it was weird uh, because um, nobody smoked. Nobody smoked, got high on the show. I'm the, I was the only guy in the whole show that got high. And, but it was okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, granted, I think Mila Kunis was like at the time, like, 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 very much a teenager, like early. Fourteen. She was fourteen. She was fourteen, yeah. and they were like, they were a bunch of young. And I will say this: considering the group of people that was on that show, and considering where they're doing now, like, like, obviously you got Ashton Kutcher, who became like, and Mila Kunis who became stars in their own right. You have Topher yeah. Grace, who's doing well enough on his like sitcom. You had Lauren, uh, Lauren Prepon, who's Kurt, who did Orange is the New Black which was yeah. Netflix, one of the biggest Netflix they got. Like, you had such a, an incredible cast around you. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and yet, you, when you walked in, you were the legend. Yeah, 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 I was the legend. I'll never forget this, this kid wanted uh, Last Wish. You know, he was dying. And, and so his thing, he ended up at the show. And Ashton says, well, who do you want to sit beside? And the kid picked me. Huh. <laughs> It was like walked over and sat beside me. It was it was it was a nice honor, you know. And they yeah, treated no. me. They 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 all treated, especially Ashton. You know, he was very respectful. You know, they all were. They all were. Um, I I I just wish I had worked more with Will uh, with uh, Wilmer. You know, really. They never they never paired us up because I. I, I didn't think, I, I, I'm, in fact, I knew they didn't want to do the Cheech and Chong comparison, you know, but uh, because uh, I, 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 I always felt comfortable around Wilmer, but uh, they never put us together, ever. No segment, nothing. But it was, uh, you know, they targeted an audience. They had a nice uh, audience that they, they had in mind. And all the rest of the cast, you know, we had fun, you know, Don uh, and uh, 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 what's the name? The dad, you know. Uh, um, uh, uh, I, I, the dad, I believe, his character's name was Red, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but Red, Red, and 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 Kitty. Yeah, they they were great. We all hung together. The old people hung together, and the young people they had their own special uh, a a dressing rooms and everything because they were the. The, they, they got paid the most, you know. Yeah, yeah, they were the, they were the people on the marquee. Yeah, they, they were the stars. Yeah, yeah, they were the Sick. yeah, they were the main characters. But I mean, I would argue, like again, you still were coming in. You were, you were, you were kind of a breakout role. People like you were. They loved, they loved you. Um, and they were like, and it's honestly interesting. I, I honestly look back at like the the casting changes for so many of the for that seventy show. And I will bring this up because it's interesting how 
it's it's a very forgiving show. I would say our outside of like Eric's sister, whoever like her original cast, where she ended up getting a recast because she didn't really connect apparently. Like pretty much everyone else, it was like like it when you you needed to go away for a little bit, um, he, you were invited right back. You're like, hey, no problem, you're you're back in. Um, when Tanya <laughs> Roberts uh, played uh, um, the wife of the neighbor, she yeah. like had to t- step out for a little bit for her husband. They let her right back in. Like it was. Yep you don't always see that like such a positive culture like hey we're you're okay like you need to take us some time off go take time off you can come we'll welcome you back with open arms yeah that that was amazing that they did it the the way they did it well because it wasn't equal you know and and, uh unlike friends or something like that uh those shows no it was uh it was a very it was you know the thing is about the 70s show is think about it they allowed everybody to grow you know and and they grew, and and I remember when Mila learned how to drive on the Paramount lot with a golf cart. That's how she learned how to drive, because she was too young to you know with a even a learner's permit, and so so she learned how to drive there. And her one of her first boyfriends was a Home Alone kid. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. She brought him by. He was a big fan, and she brought him by my dressing room one time just to meet me. You know, and that was her 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 boyfriend at the time, or he was, you know, he dated her or something. Yeah. When her and Ashton got together, it was like it brought the biggest smile to everybody's face. I think because they they had no idea how much in love they were, <laughs> you know. And what yeah. it is it was when Mila got that Academy Award uh, look. I don't know. She, you know. Oh no, the Black Swan, the, the one girl did get an Academy Award, I think. I think. But Mila was in that movie, and boy, Ashton, if nothing else, you know, he recognized uh, talent. You know, like he, he was with Demi Moore, you know, because he was a he was a hot young guy that Demi always liked to to deal with. But yeah, I met Demi and Ashton. You know, but when her, him and Mila got together, it brought the biggest smile to my face. Yeah, I mean, that had to bring a smile to so many of their faces because it, it was just, they, they knew they were such a close family and it was just, it's kind of like, it's like two friends you've known for so long kind of yeah. end up actually to get together. And I, I will say that like there's always those rumors, there's always those things, especially with casting. And sometimes it's, it goes too far where people try to pair other people up and it's like, well, they're not really interested and it's already played out and it's, they're not really a good fit for each other. And like, you shouldn't force that just because they have good chemistry on TV, but to just see that happen so organically and so naturally, like in such a positive way, like it just warms your heart. I just wonder why, why they're not taking, you know, taking advantage of it. I, 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 I don't know who to talk to. I guess Mark Brazil, he was the one that, that uh, created uh, the show. I, 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 if I had the, the time, I would check it out, but I really don't. <laughs> I got to stay on my own towel. No, I, I, I mean, I get that. I get that. Um, I, I will say this, and I, I know we've gone for like a roughly an hour 20 right now. I, I want to acknowledge that. Um, I actually, I will tell you something right now that I had so many questions for so many, like, and it was like a fairly, like Kevin helped me out with this and it was a fairly kind of different interview. And I will tell you this right now. I am so much happier with this interview 
than what we had like we had mostly prepared because I think it was a it has been very much a Tommy Chong interview. It has been very much a representation of who you really are. Yeah. And I think it, it just to let you just be able to kind of like it just kind of worked out this way where it kind of became this like conversation on spiritual spirituality and sports and uh, I will say it has been the greatest honor to to have this like time with you and uh, I am very appreciative for that. Well, I appreciate it too. I, you know, I I know when I, I get involved in in anything, uh, but when when uh, some of the criticism I get, uh, like especially on Twitter, you know, they they hate when I have a you know an opinion, especially a, a political opinion well, it's that like it's Twitter. Yeah, that they don't uh, that doesn't jive with with the Trumpies or whatever, uh, you know, and, and one of the, the rudest things you can say to a comedian is, is shut up and be funny. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's fighting words right there, you know, Amen. Because, uh, because that's, that's being very rude, you know, just like telling a black guy, just shut up and dance, you know, just do those tap dances, you know. That's what they think comedians should be. You know, we're, we're like little puppets, you know, that we should just, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, yes, master, whatever you want, sir. You know, but with, with me, you know, you know, I, I, I earned, the one thing that, you know, you know, pissed me off about Obama was that he would never bring up the fact that he was half white. You know what I mean? I think I think he did a big disservice, you know. He doesn't have to because he 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 is half white, and I think that's prior, a lot of the the problem we have with racism is that they they want to make if you're the least you know like the law used to be if you were an eighth or if you're a sixteenth if you even had little nappy hair then all of a sudden you were black, you know you weren't pure white. But I like the fact, like me, I'm half white. And that accounts for a lot of my success, you know, that, that I have that white blood in me. And, and that yeah, Scotch-Irish, you know, they were as, 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 as poor as anybody on the planet. But, I, you know, that, that, that's my problem with with the with the, uh, uh, the 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 black lives matter you know that approach is that it's not just black it's the white the white people need to come out and, and be embarrassed and you know when the white cop what they do they disappear or they try to find some some way to uh, justify you know why why the guy would, would would do that, you know? But you know, I think disowning your whiteness to me is just as bad as disowning your blackness, as it were, you know. And because we're all we're all people, and I think I think the only difference is is education. You know, some are smarter than others, and that's the way the life is. You know, you know, I, 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 I kind of will say this. I, I do think that what time the time we're in right now, I feel like 
you're right. I agree with you 100%. Like, I don't think anyone should be abandoning anything. And I think if I, from my understanding of what, like, especially in Obama's situation, what happened a little bit was because, like, uh, from what my understanding is that the people who were uh, interracial, which black and white, um, the children of black and white people, there were, there, there were, there were so many cultures where they were, like, not even, like, in either category, where whites didn't really appreciate them and even blacks kind of disowned them. So you yeah. had, so they, so they kind of, like, lean into the half black end where, that that was where the history was. I think that's what he kind of did, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I do think I understand what the perspective is yeah. here. And yeah. I will say that, like with with what we're hearing now, like obviously we shouldn't be we shouldn't be doing this, and we I'm like we shouldn't be like just saying oh we we're gonna we're we're like oh we shouldn't be disowning who we are or anything like that. But I think it's important to recognize. I think this is a big thing. We important to recognize that history as a whole is flawed. History is flawed. And people, we we have, we were taught, we were taught, like I remember being taught at a very young age that, like, oh, these founding fathers were so great and they did so many good things. And fundamentally, they had some good ideas and made progress in their own right, but they also had some serious problems and some serious flaws. And like this shouldn't be like this should be an ever-changing book. This should be an ever-changing document because I think we need to better represent everybody. And yeah. I think in, in the recognize, hey, you know what, maybe this thing I was taught, maybe this has some roots that were not really great and maybe has some problematic roots. That's, I think, on all of us to say, all right, it, it's not, it, yes, it is about accountability in individuals. I think that's like, I think that's a service level problem, but I think the deeper problem is we need to fundamentally take a look at everything. We need to take a look at everything and kind of say, how do we set ourselves up? where the next generation, we're not going to make it perfect, but can how can we set up our next generation to do better? How can we set yep. it up better where it doesn't have these types of roots where it's like, or at least these roots are less apparent, where it's yeah, like, I, it's, I see. well, not, I or, see. Right, to clarify a little bit, not like less apparent, but like, like saying like, it's not disparaging in the, in the education a little bit. Yeah. Because I know I misphrased. Well, the, this pandemic is, 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 separating the wheat from the chaff you know definitely you know people that 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 uh, don't believe in pandemics or don't believe in masks don't believe in vaccines you know you know they're they're the ones that are going to go over the cliff you know and the ones that hang hang around uh, toward the the back of the the group they won't you know because they'll, they'll be that much smarter <clears throat> that's all there's nothing we can do about that, except the only only person you can improve is yourself. That's Absolutely. the only that's the only person you can have any effect over is your, just yourself. Uh, after that, uh, you know, you're just pissing in the wind, you know, because <laughs> people are going to do what they're going to do, you know. And, and that's that's it. Okay, I gotta go. I gotta. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tommy, for an incredible interview. Uh, anywhere? Um, do you want to plug anything? Do you have anything going on? Uh, people should know uh, Just my Tommy Chong uh, weed products. Uh, you know, they're all in. They're in all the good uh, head shops. If you see a Tommy Chong, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, Pre-roll. Buy them. I, I'm selling uh, Labrador now. The strain from the movie Labrador. So, so check out Labrador, check out uh, my CBD, you know, it's on, uh, on the mainstream uh, or Facebook. I don't, I don't know. I know it's on something, but the CBD oil 
it's a good energy boost and it's a good uh, uh, nighttime boost. So, yeah, check them all out. Okay? Yep. Love you. Yeah, you read from Tommy Chong. All right, thank you so much. Bye-bye.